Hey everybody, man, today has been crazy, but we're going to talk all about it. If you don't know, stick around because you're not going to miss any of the exciting juicy details of Carlos Correa's third new home, but not new home of the offseason. A very, very pleasant Tuesday evening to all of you. Man, I am in shock. I'm also super excited. I don't know what to say. Carlos Correa is now no longer a New York Met. He's no longer a San Francisco Giant. He is once again, unofficially pending a physical, a Minnesota twin. You heard that right. News broke about uh, about lunchtime today. If you're on the in the central part of the country, that uh, C four is coming back to Minneapolis, baby, and it is it was a complete shock. I mean, we had been hearing that the Mets were getting frustrated and the Twins were starting to worm their way back into the picture, but I mean, I'm conditioned as a fan of this Twins team, small market team, to be like, no, we're not gonna, we're we don't get big names like this like last year signing him was an absolute fluke it was a one-off he opted out he doesn't want to be here whatever but apparently the Mets were getting cold feet again and they just had had it Steve Cohen was out there liking tweets by random fans saying that we don't need him we should move on and uh, that made his stance on the matter pretty clear and Boris and Correa were like, you know what? Fine. We're heading back up north to Minnesota. And uh, at the irrational twin side fan of me is getting super excited and super hopped up. And then the cautious baseball fan side of me is like, wait a minute. Everyone else turned down his physical. What, you, what makes you think the twins are going to want to bring him in? But I think that overall everything is going to work out fine. I think... I'm not just saying that as blind allegiance to the twins. I think that there's some, I think what the deal, the agreement that's in place right now stands to benefit both sides pretty well. So let's, uh, let's dive into it here. I'll be trade rumors this is where I'm pulling everything here. Um, they're pulling their sources. Uh, uh, Jeff Passan broke the news and then, uh, John Heyman, uh, got the vesting options and details surrounding the Mets reduced offer and surrounding the physical with the twins. Um, Ken Rosenthal and Bob Nightingale were hopping on this. Like, the, of course, big news. Everyone was, uh, was talking about, of course, uh, Passin was the one who broke it. But here we go. Um, Carlos Correa is coming back to Minnesota on a six-year, um, okay, six-year, $200 million deal pending the completion of a physical. Um, also, before I dive do, too deep into this, this is not just going to be a Cray episode. There's a couple other news points I do want to talk about, but um, we're going to start with this. So, Correa signed a six-year, $200 million contract with the Twins, um, pending a physical, and it uh, also contains four additional vesting options. So, we'll talk about this here, but first off, so six years, $200 million, so roughly about $33.3 million per year. So just a little bit less than what he was getting paid on his three-year, $105 million deal originally with the Twins. And a lot more per year, uh, if you do the math, than his 12-year, $315 million deal with the Mets. So, you know, he was he's getting paid more money over... 
he's getting paid a higher amount per year over less years and six years. I mean, this was super surprising to me. I was expecting a team Korea that sweet spot for Korea. I thought was going to be somewhere in the eight to nine year range. Maybe. Yeah. Cause I didn't think any team was really going to want to commit to 10 plus years of him given his questionable ankle status, but six years, man, that was way lower than I thought. And the twins got creative here. And I'll explain here right now. So it's six years, 200 million, but there are four additional vesting options that could take the value of the contract all the way up to 270 million over a decade long term. Still overall, the um, overall uh, tw- 270 million over 10 years, that's overall $45 million less than the 12 year deal that the, um, Mets were offering him for $315 million. So he's taking a $45 million hit overall, but he's getting paid more money over that span. And also at the end of those 10 years, Correa would be 38. So he would have a chance to maybe make a little more money at the end. But I think at this point, just given that the Mets were getting cold feet, I think they wanted to officially sign, get with a team and the twins, uh, twins made him an offer and they got creative here. So here's the, um, um, Here's, here's the little kicker with the vesting options. So you might be thinking the Twins are committing to all this Carlos Correa and not knowing how his ankle is going to hold up and other physical things that happen as you get older, your skills deteriorate. But how this works here is that um, the vesting options, which are valued at decreasing increments of five, so starting at or $25 million in 2029, 20 million in 2030, so on and so forth until 10 million in 2032. Um, and in order for these vesting options to work, Correa needs to hit 575 play appearances in 2028 and it keeps dropping again. And by uh, for his 2032 option to kick in, he needs to have 502 play appearances in 2021. So, according to John Heyman, what this means is that the Twins are having a little guarantee in here that if we do. If we are getting healthy Carlos Correa deep into his 30s, we can still keep him. If not, if he's missing a ton of time due to ankle problems or other injuries, that's fine. We can uh, we can just let him go, no problem. Um, however, they do have the option with those vesting options. They can pick him up anyway, even if he doesn't meet the requirement. But at that point, if he doesn't meet the certain number of play appearances per year, he can. the Twins don't have to. But they still might. Maybe it was just a freak accident. Maybe, I don't know, his um, his appendix burst or something and he missed a bunch of time. So that never happens. But anymore, to, especially to an athlete. But you get what I'm saying. If the Twins decide that, okay, you know, he's, his overall physical health is not deteriorating. It was just kind of a freak fluke thing that caused him to miss a bunch of time. We could still keep him. And there's no player options. And there's a full no trade clause. Um, so Correa, I think, is agreeing here that he wants to stay in Minnesota. Um, and also Hayman reported that the major part, quote unquote, major part of that exam, including a look at Korea's ankle and leg has already been completed. So the twins have already seen the results of Korea's physical in terms of that troublesome ankle and decided that it's fine enough for this contract that we're offering. We've got these vesting options to kind of take care of us here. This, sh- this, this isn't going to be a problem. So I think we're actually really close here to getting, like this, this should this time the third time's the charm. This should actually go through, 
dang, I'm all over the place. I'm super excited. I can't, believe, I just can't believe how this is, uh, um, how this is going on. Um, largest deal in Twins franchise history. And again, Correa is seemingly leaving a little bit of money on the table, but at the end of the day, this is a contract that ensures he gets paid a lot in the short term, has him secure for most of the long term as long as he stays healthy. And again, it's not completely just if he, if things just completely go, if he's just having some trouble and it's not like a complete disaster health wise, he could still stay with the twins for longer. So this could really, um, I think given the situations and he and Boris realized they had to make some concessions, which is amazing. It's really hard to get those two, either one of those to make concessions and you got both of them too. So it's pretty, uh, uh, pretty, um, pretty impressive. And also, I mean, the injury label concerns, I mean, he's appeared almost 90% of his team's games over the past three seasons. And some of that, some of that missed time was because of COVID. So in 2022, so, I mean, you know, he's, he's been able to, he's been pretty durable recently. It's just kind of long-term people are worried about it. Also a quick aside here. If you're a, I don't feel bad for the Mets in this situation. I felt bad for the Giants because I felt like the Giants actually had a need. I just feel like the Mets didn't have a need, and I think Steve Cohen made that pretty clear in how he handled this situation because, I mean, look, the the Mets were going to move Correa to third base. That's how little they needed him. They didn't even have an opening at his main position, which was shortstop. So they were going to move him to third base. You know, he would be a great third baseman, but shortstop's kind of the backbone of the infield, in my opinion. So that's where your true defensive players shine. So you're kind of minimizing, you're bringing Correa in the process. You would be minimizing his defensive impact and uh, he just wouldn't be playing in his peak position. So the Mets didn't really need him. So I can't say I necessarily feel bad for them because Steve Cohen's shown that he's been willing to spend money. They've improved a lot anyways. I mean, just the fact that they kept Brandon Nimmo is a huge deal and then bringing guys like Verlander. Um, they did lose the ground, which is tough, but they've had a good off season. So this is not a, uh, uh, this isn't a, I just, maybe I'm just so happy as a Twins fan that I don't care, but I just don't see the need to feel bad for the Mets here. I think that they'll be just fine without, uh, without them. The Twins on the other hand, definitely a need for them. And this is great now because now we can put Kyle Farmer in our initial projected spot of utility player. I mean, this guy can play everywhere. He can play in the corner outfield. He can play all over the infield. He can catch if we need him to. And that's how we should utilize him. He was solid as an everyday shortstop with the Reds, but we're in a better position than the Reds right now. Sorry to say, but we need to, we're in a position where we could actually compete. So we need to um, utilize Farmer in more of the way that I think fits with our team, not as the starting, starting shortstop, but as a backup, very capable backup at shortstop and all over the infield and catching and outfield, like I said. So, and yeah. I mean, Correa just does a lot to soup up the Twins lineup. I mean, now we've got Arise, Buxton, Polanco, Miranda, and Joey Gallo, as well as Correa now. So that's a solid uh, six spot right there. We've brought in Christian Vasquez. We've got uh, Alex Kirilov, maybe. Kepler, it seems like we're looking to trade him, which would be unfortunate because as of right now, he is my favorite twin. But, you know, baseball is baseball. You got to – it's a business. You got to do what you got to do. Um. Who else we got in that lineup? We've got uh, Larnick. We've got Matt Walner maybe slotting in there. You know, we've got this um, takes our lap from being kind of mid with uh, 
bit of upside to definitely a good, a little bit above mid with a lot of upside. And just having Correa around, I mean, last year, I just think he showed he was one of our most consistent hitters, great clubhouse leader. The guys really respected him, especially our multitude of Hispanic players, all the young guys. They really looked up to him. They could kind of relate to him a little bit in just that unique way being from Puerto Rico and stuff. Um, great leader. I mean, for all of his arrogance and villain status, I think Correa is a good leader, and he does know how to fire his team up and uh, get, you know, kind of help the help the team kind of gel and uh, get the most out of them. Um, yeah, so <laughs> pretty crazy. And so my final verdict as to kind of sum all this up: big Correa signing. As obviously as a Twins fan, I'm super excited. I do think it's a smart business baseball business move in the short term we're paying him a lot of money so he's happy with that and then as long as he meets his end of the bargain in terms of staying healthy over the next uh few years after that he uh will still be a twin and if things are going horribly in terms of health the twins will have a way out so i think that things are pretty well set here and i think this was a move the twins needed to make and i'm super glad they did it Oh, geez. I remember back when I first started this show, I think I started it right after the Correa signing when we signed him originally last year. So it's kind of funny. This has come full circle. And again, I've never seen anything like this. I don't think very many people have. I, I can't think of anything else with an op free agent. And they will be like this. This is just absolutely insane. And the twins now stand to benefit from the whole saga. So, wow, pretty, uh, pretty exciting stuff. Um, I do uh, owe it to talk about some of the other moves that have happened. I realized that one thing that I missed um, in my last episode was the Eovaldi signing. Uh, Eovaldi's going to the Rangers on a two-year deal, I believe it was. Um, dang, it was so, that was so long ago. I'm having to go back in the uh, uh, Fangraphs timeline here. Where is it? Two-year deal. Yep, so... and. I like this a lot because um, Eovaldi is a pretty solid pitcher. I mean, you know, he's a little streaky at times, but kind of had it bounced around a little bit during his career. But, I mean, over the past couple of years with the Red Sox, he – or I'll do three years and I'll include the COVID year. He's made 61 starts. He has a ERA of 3.79, so not great, but not definitely solid. Um, good strikeout numbers over batter per inning strikeouts that is um made the all-star team in 2021 you know he's um he's a very solid uh you know maybe not your ace but you know number two or three and so the rangers have gone from having rotation their rotation be a real um uh weakness to now being a definite strength with Degrom as your ace and then Eovaldi as your number two and then you're hoping that uh heaney can uh perform like he did last year, same with Perez. And then you got John Grazier, number five. You can do far worse for a number five. And I like this too, because the Rangers do have a lot of young pitching on the way, but what they've created is an environment where they don't need to rush these guys and give them too much responsibility too early. Guys like um, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. And, um, uh, you know, they've got other guys who have camp we've seen already, like Taylor Hearn, you know, maybe give them some time to develop a little more. You don't need to rush them up and be like, you have to be a race right now. You've got kind of the network in place, some veteran placeholders. Uh, Jake Odorizzi's there too. I forgot about that. 
So another great move by the Rangers. I really wanted him to go to the Twins, but you know this works out. This works out well too. I think this is a solid move by the Rangers. They continue to just add and make some pretty solid, uh, pretty solid additions. Let's see. I have missed a good bit. It feels like that there's um, you know kind of the headline grabbing signings are done, but there still are some definite uh, interesting moves that have happened. We've got. Uh, Talked about the Devers extension. Talked about Hosmer. We talked about Wade Miley's going back to the Brewers on a one-year deal. That could definitely be interesting. Uh, I think what this means is that they want to bring in a veteran like Miley, and then they're going to trade a younger guy like maybe uh, Eric Lauer or uh, Adrian Hauser, or maybe even a Freddie Peralta to try to maybe shore up their lap a little bit more because the Brewers definitely have a, de- a lot of depth at starting pitching. Miley's just been really solid the past couple of years. He did miss time with injury last year, but... Over the past years, a 3.33 ERA, if he can stay healthy, definitely can pay dividends for the Brewers. He did pitch for the Brewers back in 2018 at a 2.57 ERA in 16 starts. Again, injury problems popped up, but he, you know, some years he stays healthy, some years he misses time. So it's not like he's an absolute injury liability. We'll just have to see how this goes. But yeah, a solid move there. We've got... um, Oh, yeah, we have the um, trade with the Tigers and the Phillies. Gregory Soto, longtime Tigers reliever, along with Cody Clemens, are heading to the Phillies in exchange for Matt Veerling, Donnie Sands, and Nick Maton. Uh, These are all just kind of for the Tigers. They're just acquiring a bunch of um, kind of depth pieces to kind of fill up their lineup. Guys who have some big league experience, but you don't have to pay too much because the Tigers are pretty clear right now. I think they're... We got a little too excited about them. They still have ways to go before they can compete. So these are kind of just, you know, transition team additions here. But uh, Gregory Soto, um, he kind of was the guy in the Tigers' bullpen along with uh, Joe Jimenez. But now uh, he doesn't have to be the guy. They've got Kimbrell in there. They've got Alvarado. They've got Dominguez. So now Soto, as a lefty, can be kind of one of the guys. You know, amazing fastball. Um, he can get hit pretty hard. That seemed to be his problem last year. Um, it, when guys would connect, make contact, they would hit the ball really hard. Um, but, you know, pretty electric reliever. Brings bring in the lefty a little more uh, diversity for the Phillies in that regard. Uh, 3.28 ERA last year. The whip is a little high at 1.38. He does tend to walk a lot of guys, which is a bit of an issue too. His control... He's still kind of working on that, but 30 saves last year, you know, um, you can definitely do far worse for a seven, seven inning type of guy. And I think that's kind of what the Phillies are envisioning here. Um, yeah. So making Phillies, making some more additions there, trying to, you know, shore things up given how they know that the Braves and the Mets are going to be a problem all year. They've got to try to stay, prove that this past amazing season wasn't a fluke. Uh, Brett Phillips is going to the Angels on a one-year deal. That's kind of an interesting move. Um, you know, Phillips has been a you know very great clubhouse guy throughout the years with uh, Tampa Bay, especially um, kind of a cult hero of sorts. You know, with defensively, he's very solid. With the bat, it's a little bit lacking, but I think that the Angels, having try on that outfield, they kind of. You know, Phillips is a perfect like fourth outfielder type of guy because yeah, they've got they got Trout and Ward, and then right field there they've got Renfro. You know, where's Joe? 
you know, this kind of eats into Joe Adele's potential playing time, though, if the Angels still are giving him another chance. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're moving on from him. I don't know. But yeah, perfect fourth outfielder guy. Great, def- great with the defense, great speed. So that's kind of what I think that's kind of what the Angels are looking for there. Kind of that idyllic uh, fourth outfielder. Um, Yeah, so uh, Corey Dickerson's going to the Nationals on a one-year deal. You know, it kind of sounds about right. Nationals just trying to find some placeholders, some guys to, uh, you know, add a little bit of spark to their team. Um, and I think that's Corey Dickerson. I absolutely love the guy, but. Yeah, I think uh yeah, just not super exciting, but you know, he'll he'll do well in Washington, maybe uh turn him into a trade candidate in the uh it's only a one year deal, so yeah, definitely at the deadline. Flip him for some younger prospects as well. Uh we've got Johnny Cueto going to the Marlins. Johnny Cueto had a real career resurgence last year with the uh with the White Sox. Everyone kind of thought, you know, at the end of his uh tenure with the Giants that he was done. You know, he's kind of cooked, but uh, last year at age 36, he had a real revival. 3.35 ERA over 24 starts. Uh, the strikeout numbers are down, but he just really, um, you know, he was able to locate his pitch as well. Um, yeah, kept the uh, kept the walks down to a minimum. Wasn't getting hit as hard as he was. Um, stayed relatively healthy, too. I mean, he made 24 starts, and he was a late addition to the team, so I don't think he really missed any time after a lot of really injury-prone years with the Giants. So, yeah, he really um, he really uh, got his career back on track. I know Jolly Olive just made a video about him that I need to watch still, about how he, it's called How Johnny Cueto Saved His Career. So I should watch that and then report on the signing, but timing didn't work out, I guess. But, yeah, good signing for the Marlins here. Cueto is a nice veteran kind of placeholder. You know, bring him in. Have him dispense some wisdom on some of these younger guys. I mean, you know, even guys like Sandy Alcantara, as good as he is the best pitcher in the National League, you know, always helps to have a veteran around to, you know, pass some things on, you know, kind of hope some of his um, knowledge rubs off on you a little bit. He slots in there nicely, again, with all the other young arms like Luzardo and Cabrera and Pablo Lopez. Maybe if they trade Pablo Lopez, then Cueto kind of provides a little bit of insurance there that the rotation won't be completely lacking. Uh, yeah, so good move by the Marlins. Getting a little creative here. I like it. Um, And I think that's most... Oh, Brendan Belt going to the Blue Jays. That's the last one. Uh, <laughs> Aubrey Huff. I don't really agree with Aubrey Huff on this one. I think that Brandon Belt is a good pickup for the Giants. I'm not exactly sure if you don't know. Huff made this very... Very off color, or not off color, um, pretty insensitive, weird tweet about how Brandon Belt basically hits like a girl or something like that, and then he deleted it. Uh, Huff's Huff's just a weird dude, but he made that tweet right after this happened. I'm gonna guess maybe there's some drama from when they were teammates in San Francisco. I don't know. That I just that's how I heard about the signing, which was kind of messed up but kind of funny at the same time but yeah that kind of huff's kind of a loon but anyway um uh belt is coming off a pre after two great years in 2020 and 2021 he came off a super down injury plagued year last year he only hit 213 he did have a 92 ops plus so a little bit below average not as bad as you might think necessarily he only played in 78 games 
But uh, this is only a one-year deal for the uh, for the Blue Jays here. They're not committing too much from him. Just kind of, you know, veteran guy in their relatively eh, not super young lineup anymore. Like, this is no longer like, oh, the baby Jays where they're like a bunch of prospects. But these guys are established. But I think kind of what they see him as is a platoon option for a DH and maybe have Danny, like, he's the lefty bat and then Danny Jansen's the righty bat, something like that. Um, cause yeah, Guerrero's solidly entrenched at first. So it's not like he's going to be eating into Guerrero's playing time. And I think they just need him as like kind of a bench platoon option and, you know, change the scenery playing in a little more of a hair friendly park than uh, San Francisco. He could, uh, you know, have a nice little bounce back year, but again, the weight's kind of off of him. He doesn't have to be the star or like one of the best hitters at this point. The blue Jays hopefully have tempered their expectations a little bit. Um, so yeah. And then lastly, to kind of this episode started on a super high note, super happy with the Korea thing. And I do need to um, I do need to uh, kind of close it out on a little bit of a more somber note. Um, one of my favorite players from my one of my least favorite teams just came out with some pretty, uh, pretty devastating news. But uh, we'll all hope for the best here with. Um, this situation, uh, Liam Hendricks, the White Sox closer, announced on Sunday that he is beginning treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, as so, he's just diagnosed with cancer, and we really haven't gotten too much insight into um, how serious it is, like when they caught what stage they caught it in. Um, but I'm just going to read the uh, the Instagram post they put out. So this is what Hendricks said. Quote, hearing the word cancer came as a shock to my wife and I, as it does to millions of families each year. However, I'm resolved to embrace the fight and overcome this new challenge with the same determination I've used when facing other obstacles in my life. My treatment begins tomorrow, and I am confident that I will make a full recovery and be back on the mound as soon as possible. I know with the support of my wife, my family, my teammates, and the Chicago White Sox organization, all with the treatment and care for my doctors, I will get through this. Uh, GM Rick Hahn said that we do not expect to have any updates on Liam's playing status prior to opening day at the very earliest. Um, and then just kind of speaking about how much, how they're all with him and how much he means to the White Sox organization. Like I said, I absolutely cannot stand the White Sox. And if you've been listening to the show for the past nine months, you know that Liam Hendricks though, is one of my favorite players on that team. I've always really liked him. I love how fiery he gets on the mound. He's a really good closer. And uh, it was kind of sad to see this that he's going through this. But, you know, knowing Hendricks and knowing how fiery he is and how he doesn't back down from challenges, he stares, you know, watching him on the mound, he just is a complete, like, animal. He just stares down the hitters and, you know, you know how, it, you know how he is. But just seeing that, knowing he's going to take that same energy into his recovery, that is encouraging. I wish him and his wife... Do they have kids? I don't know if they do. Um, I think I think it's just his wife. Yeah, he just his wife Christy. Um, I wish them both all the best. Meaning him for his treatment and her for you know having to support him and be there for him. That's not easy as well. So, just to kind of close out this episode, um, I yeah, Liam, I I hope that you uh get better. 
um, and that you can be pitching as soon as, well, obviously get better first, and then hopefully we'll see you back on the mound as soon as possible. And, yeah, um, know that we're all with you, even uh, fans of your Bear Division rivals. Um, I know you don't like the Twins necessarily a lot, especially Josh Donaldson back when he was with us, but, you know, um, all the best, and I really hope that you get better soon. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode of Straight Out Left. It was a very exciting, fun one. As always, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple, Amazon Music, and your other favorite podcasting platforms. Make sure you give it a five-star review or follow it or do whatever you got to do to make sure it shows up in your feed. Keep on the lookout for new content coming out very soon, and I'll talk to you all then.